Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to the New Birth Podcast. There's a word of hope for you today and we are excited for what God is doing here at New Birth. For more information, visit our website, nbplaceofhope.com. Now for the message by our senior pastor, Gabby Mejia. We're going to read the book of Genesis. Who's excited for today? Who's excited? I'm excited. Listen, if you're here for the first time, um, today's a day of salvation. There's water baptism. I'm believing at the end of today that a lot of people are just going to raise their hand and say, I want to be baptized right now. I didn't plan for it. I didn't come ready. I, didn't, I came with my heart ready, and I want to get baptized. So at the end of this service, at the end of the sermon, we're going to open up the altar. And those, ex- Marino, can you just give us a nice little Disney wave? Awesome. Thank you. Those doors, if you want to get baptized, go through those doors. That's the promised land right behind that door. Uh, we're going to give you gifts. We're going to give you uh, a T-shirt, uh, underwear, uh, everything you need to get just after you get baptized. We're prepared for you, all right? So if you're here and you're saying, I just want to get baptized. I got, you know, my head done, my hair done, and, you know, got my clothes on. We got you. Look at your neighbor and say, they got us. Man, to all of our first-time guests, we want to say welcome to church. Um, man, like Pastor said earlier, you know, we're a church of a year and nine months. This is insane. You are in a miracle right now. You're sitting in a miracle. Um, earlier, if you kind of hear the alarms, earlier the fire alarm went off, so we all had to exit the building. Uh, we came back in, though. We said, devil, not today. People are getting saved today. You can't stop what God's going to do in this house. Or it was just spiritual fire. I don't know. That is the haze. I couldn't figure it out. This is the haze. Genesis chapter 21. Uh, verses 1 through 21. Again, welcome home. We love you. You don't have to believe with us to belong with us. This is the best place to be on a Sunday. We love you. Welcome home. I want to read to you a couple verses in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 21. 21, 21. Uh, and I'm just going to start reading. I'm going to start reading a, a, a story, and I want you to jump on with this. And um, it's all just going to tag on the end. So I'm going to read from the big Bible behind me. It says this. It says, God visited Sarah exactly as he said he would. So Sarah uh, is actually a woman that is together with Abraham. Uh, you guys ever heard that, that, that song, Father Abraham, how many sons? If you've been in church longer than five years, you kind of know this song. Let's sing it together. Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord, right foot. That's the Christian hokey pokey, y'all, as if you ever wondered what it was, right foot, right hand. Someone here is like, this is the weirdest church ever. I don't know what's going on. So Father Abraham, Abraham, see God, Abraham was given a promise. God said, listen, every single baby that comes from you will be blessed. I have a promise for you, Abraham. And everything you touch will just be amazing. I got you, and I got you. I have a promise for you, Abraham. So Abraham actually wasn't having any babies. So the promise that God told him he was going to have it, he didn't even see it yet. So, so he was with Sarah, and, and what happened was, I'm going to give you a little bit of context. So, so he couldn't be with Sarah, so he, he, he hooked up with some girl named Hagar. Somebody say Hagar. Say it with your chest, Hagar. And she was a maid. She was a maid. And, and so she, he kind of had a baby with her, and that baby, whose name is Ishmael. But, but, but Sarah and Abraham were given the promise. Sarah and Abraham were given the promise. And, and, but the thing is that God's promises always prevail no matter what. This is where we pick up the story. So, so God visited Sarah exactly as he said he would. God said to Sarah. He did say what he promised. Sarah became pregnant, 
and gave Abraham a son, even in his old age. At this very time, God had said, Abraham named him Isaac. So Abraham had a baby with Hagar. His name is Ishmael. The baby that he was promised was with Sarah. His name is Isaac. So you got two babies. You got two baby mamas. I'm telling you, man, the Bible is legit. Y'all watching like Power, which a scandal. Man, the Bible is the biggest scandal ever. Come on, somebody. Watch that. So you got a baby mama named Hagar with Ishmael, and then you have Sarah with Isaac, and, and Abraham stuck in the middle. It's a mixed family. This is insane. When his son was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him, just as God has promised, just as he's commanded. Abraham was 100 years old when he had his son Isaac. That's a miracle, y'all. Sarah said, God has blessed me with laughter, and all who get news will, will laugh with me. Celebrate with me. She also said, whoever would have suggested to Abraham that Sarah will one day nurse a baby, yet here I am. I've given the old man a son. Look at me. I did it. Look at me. Okay, I'm going to keep going. The baby grew and was weaned. Abraham threw a big party on the day Isaac was weaned. So this is just a, just a lit conversation. Uh, one day Sarah saw, hold up, hold up. This is when it gets crazy. One day Sarah saw the son that Hagar the Egyptian had born to Abraham poking fun at his son Isaac. So you got Ishmael and Isaac, ha, <laughs> ha. And then, and like, you know, Isaac's chilling, like, hey, mom, what's going on? So Sarah catches feelings. This is the NIV, the Negro International Version, all right? <laughs> Negro International Version. So, so, so Abraham, born to Abraham, he's like picking on, <laughs> right? And then, and then she said, this was, this was she said. This was Sarah said. She said, get rid of the slave woman and her son. So Abraham is caught in the middle. He has Isaac and, and Sarah on one side. And then he has Ishmael and Hagar on the other side. And she literally says, get that girl, get that little baby, we'll get him out of here. And we continue to read this, this wild story. No child of this slave is going to share inheritance with my son Isaac. You, you better get up. The matter gave great pain to Abraham because he's the baby daddy. After all, Ishmael was his son. But God spoke to Abraham, and this is what God says. Don't feel bad about the boy and your maid. Do whatever Sarah tells you. Your descendants will come through Isaac. Is that it? Regarding your maid's son, be assured that I'll develop a great nation from him too. So God is looking at Abraham. Abraham, he says, listen, you're with Sarah and Isaac. I'm going to do something amazing. But with Hagar and her son, I'm going to do something amazing with them too. And this is insane. So, so God says, listen, do whatever Sarah tells you. Abraham got up early the next morning. He got some food together and a canteen of water for Hagar. And he put them in her back and sent her away with the child. She wandered off into the desert, y'all. Desert of Beersheba. Somebody say Beersheba. When the water was gone, she left the child under a shrub and, and went off. So the water ran out and she, she packs her baby under some bush and she, she leaves. She left the child under the shrub, went out 50 yards or so. She said, I can't watch my son die. As she sat, she broke into sobs. And I'm going to just keep reading, so follow me. Meanwhile, God heard the boy crying. The angel of God called from heaven to Hagar. What's wrong, Hagar? Don't be afraid. God has heard the boy and knows the fix he's in. Up now, go get the boy. Hold him tight. I'm going to make him a great nation from him. Just then God opened her eyes. She looked. She saw a well of water. She went into it and filled her canteen and gave the boy a long, cool drink. God was on the boy's side as he grew up. He lived out in the desert and became a skilled archer. He lived in the parent wilderness, and his mother got him a wife from Egypt. Man, I want to start with this big thought. So here, you guys with me? I know it's a lot of reading. I will keep my head up. 
I'm preaching right now. Listen, I, I want the, the attitude from Christians in 2017 to be a motivated church that walks into every situation, that walks into every circumstance that says, Lord, if you're with me, I'm going to pick my head up. Is anybody here this morning? Come on, if you have accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, you have heaven behind you, walking with you in every moment of your life, I will keep my head up. Because of what he did on that cross, you have been saved, church. You have been redeemed. You have been lifted up. God is calling you to bigger. God is calling you to better. Listen, you have to keep your head up. I'm tired of seeing Christians, when more waves come in their life, they back up and say, God, where are you? Listen, if God never did anything else but the cross, you still have a reason to worship. If God never did anything else but die for your sins and give you a way to heaven, you can wake up with your head up and say, listen, God has more for me. He has me. He leads me beside green pastures and still waters. Come on, somebody. He leads me. I will keep my head up no matter what the world throws at me, no matter what they say to me. Man, this election was crazy. So many Christians on social media going wild. I'm like, listen, who's leading you, God or the president? I will keep my head up. Whoever's the president, I'll pray for you. Black lives matter. Listen, to all lives matter. Listen, without Jesus, there is no way to heaven. I have Jesus. I will keep my head up. I will keep my head up. No matter what I go through in life, I'm going to be the type of believer that believes the whole Bible, that God walks with me in and every moment of my life, that the Holy Spirit is with me when I go to sleep, and he's with me when I wake up. When I'm walking into a supermarket, I'm actually a revivalist. I could be touching and praying, and someone could get saved in the middle of four. Anything can happen when you keep your head up. God is with you. But here's the truth. The truth is this. There can only be room for one in your life. You can throw that up. There can only be room for one. Let's get all the other dudes out. There's only in your life. Let's, let's set up right here. As quick as possible. Can you make some noise for all the young people tonight? Come on. Go ahead and sit down. Go ahead and sit down. See, this is the issue. We think Christianity is supposed to go like this. We say, God, God, I have all these things going on. I got my job. My job is, my job is crazy. I'm trying to balance my job. It's, it's get, I'm, I'm tired. I, I don't see my family. I don't see my wife. Who's at the couples retreat? Who's excited? Who's rejuvenated? Awesome. Marriage sounds fun. You got your job. You're dealing with your job. It's pulling away from you. It's pulling away from church. You got to manage it. Right? So you got your job. And you got relationships. So you got friends. And you got people that you got you to love. And you got family. People in your family you got to attain to and pray for and be there for them. And, and then you got your hobbies. You know, you, you got to mix all these things in. Your hobbies are fun. You're trying to get better, all right? I'll just keep it there. So you got, I'm trying not to do jokes. I, I usually do jokes on Fridays, but I'm trying to, okay, whatever. You have education. Some of you guys trying to go back to school. You got education. And, and you, got, you got something called ministry. And, and ministry is not easy. But listen, this world isn't easy. And if the world is still ran by church, if church is still ran by people, then people will always make things complicated. But I will keep my head up. The church is beautiful. See the beauty in it. You have the ministry. And you got all these things you want to add on. Uh, social media and, and trying to be relevant. And then you have all these things. And then you got God somewhere here in this list. And you know what we do sometimes? We say, God, can you bless all of these things for me? God, I got all these things going on. And have you ever been heavy hearted? Like you're on your way somewhere and your heartbeat just bursts through your chest. 
It may be the coffee. It happens to me like once a week. I'm like, I'm like, oh my goodness, my heart's about to rip through my chest. And listen, stress is the biggest reason why some of us have some type of physical and health issues. Stress can get to you. You know why stress happens in the believer? It's because they put God on the same level as everything else in their life. And they say, God, I want you to reach over all the way here to my job. I want you to be over here to my hobbies, to my family. But the truth is that there can be only room for one. Get out of here. All you guys, get out of here. I don't want to see none of you. Get your chair and go. Get your chair and go. You stay, God, because you know what? If I have you, I have everything. If you could just breathe on all these things, I got on. But God has said in everything, there is one seat. Christian, there is one seat, and only God can fill it. Your only focus should be God. He will take care of the rest. God, you have everything. There's one seat. We try to play musical chairs. We got to put our, our will in the way. God, I, but I want to do this and I want to do that. There's only room for one. Sorry I was bumping and grounding on you. You never thought that would happen at church. Get your chair and go. There's only room for one. I will keep my head up. Anybody encouraged already? I'm going to keep my head up. No matter what comes in my way. Here's the thing. If anybody could have had their head down, it was Hagar. If anybody deserved the right to not pick their head up in life and to walk with their head down, it was Hagar. Anybody, let's, let's go to the verse, verse, verse 19. It says, one day Sarah, she saw the son of Hagar, she's Egyptian and, and poking fun. She told Abraham, listen, Abraham, get rid of the slave woman and her son. No child of the slave is going to share my inheritance. Listen, God is saying, listen, my promise is still for you even though people reject you. My promise is still for you. And, and, and God works amazingly. He doesn't work how you think he works. Let's go to the next verse. So, so what God said to Abraham, God says, do whatever Sarah tells you. You would have thought God loving Hagar, he would have said, Abraham, you need to work this out. Keep Hagar and her son Ishmael, keep them by your side, support them, love on them, do what you need to do with all these women and children, and take care of them. That sounds like the logical reason of, of what God would do if he really loves Hagar. But he's, instead, he says, listen, do whatever Sarah tells you. Do you know what Sarah told Abraham? The next verse. Next verse. He says, he says listen. Take him, take him to the desert. God knows everything, y'all. And he told Abraham, do whatever Sarah tells you. Whatever. He knows all things. He knows Sarah's going to say, send him to the desert with a Capri Sun and a little Lunchable. God knows that. But listen, my God is big. And he says, whatever. Do whatever she says. Man, I feel like that Sunday nights when I play basketball. I feel like that, whatever. Because I really feel, I, I'm confident in my basketball skills, that me and my cousins, when we're on the same team, and we need Danny because we need someone to just get our rebounds. Love you, Danny. So I'm going to shoot, get all the rebounds. I'm confident that when it's me, my brother, my cousins, and Uncle D, man, I look at the other teams, I'm like, yo, pick whoever you want. 
Do whatever. It could be 7 on 5. I don't care. You guys could be up 6-0. I don't care. Do whatever you want because I know at the end I'm going to win. Listen, God has the same way of looking at Hagar. He says, Abraham, do whatever she tells you because I'm going to make a way where there is no way. I'm going to do something in Hagar and in Ishmael. When you send him to the forest, whether you send him to the desert, I will make a way out of no way. Do whatever she tells you. You ever feel like whatever is happening in your life, my job is whatever, my family's whatever, maybe that's God's will. Literally saying, I can make a way out of no way. Do whatever. Listen, if God called you to it, he'll lead you through it. God called you to do something, he's going to lead you through it. God called Hagar, he said, listen, I got something for you and your son. I'm going to lead you through it, no matter what. I got you. Because he makes a way where there is no way. But what happens when God's called you into the desert and, and you're thirsty. Some of you guys are thirsty right now. When God's calling you to a direction that is actually dry land. What do you do when you're with the promise of God literally in your hands? But the sun is blazing more than ever and you begin to be of thirst. What happens? What do you do? See, 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 Hagar had the perfect opportunity to put her head down and say, God, you're sending me to the desert with a baby and a Capri Sun. I can't go. There's no way I can do this. There's no way out. There's no way I can walk this thing out, have a baby, a baby and a Capri Sun. This is wild. Man, Hagar didn't know that God was going to do something amazing in the desert. Let's read it together. When the water was gone, she left the baby under a bush. She took the promise of God and stuck it under a tree. She took the very thing God was going to use to bless her, and because of her thirst, she put it away. And then she left, I can't watch my son die. I can't watch my dream fall. I can't watch my heart for ministry fail again. I can't watch my family get hurt by the church again. I'd rather keep you away. I can't see it. I can't trust it. You're better on your own than with me leading you. I can't do this. Imagine Hagar alone in the desert with her son under a bush. She leaves 50 yards. She's out, y'all. She's out. 50 yards. I can't watch my son die. She sat there and she broke into sobs. And in verse 17 to 18, man, I love who God is. It says, meanwhile, God heard the boy crying and the angel of God from heaven to Hagar. He said, what is wrong? She is at the most desperate moment of her life. And God shows up and he says, what's wrong? You know what's wrong. What are you talking I'm thirsty. I can imagine the angel saying, okay, but what's wrong? I got nowhere to go. I'm about to, my son's, but what is wrong? The next verse is, listen, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Let God ask what's wrong. Because when he shows up, even though things are going around you, things are happening to you, your life is falling apart. But if God comes into the position, listen, something has to change. Something has to happen. It's a beautiful story. What's wrong? What's wrong? Next verse. He heard the boy. Knows his fix. Listen, up now. Up now. 
I know what's going on with your son. Listen, get up right now. Get up. You need to be up. You need to stand up. You need to pick your head up because I've called you for more. I've called you to be bigger than this. It's either you let your small world be big to you with a little God or you take your big God and shove it over your small world. What is it going to be? I know it's the fix. Up now, get the boy. Hold him tight. I'm going to make a great nation of him. Listen, never let your circumstance allow you to forfeit your promise. Never let your thirst allow you to give up the baby. Listen, the angel comes to her and she says, listen, go get that baby. That's your promise. Go get your baby. And you're wondering, listen, is she still thirsty? Yes, she's still thirsty. There's something here that you cannot miss, that in the middle of your thirst, in the middle of your hunger, in the middle of you by yourself, God still wants you to hold on to your promise, the promise he's given you, the promises he has bestowed upon your life. Even though you feel tired, weary, and thirsty, hold on to your promise. And I love the verse. The story doesn't stop there. The story doesn't stop there. God, God doesn't just say he's going to do something. He does it. And it says in, in, in verse 19, just then, God, he, what did he do? He opened her eyes, and she looked, and she saw a well of water. A miracle in the middle of a desert. And what did he do? He said, listen, don't go dig a well. Don't go, listen, just open your eyes. Just keep your head up, because your miracle is around the corner. The water's around the corner. Listen, you could drink from that well forever and ever and ever. Look again. Man, how many times do we see our situation like a desert? God is saying, look again, I'm doing something new. We walk into a desert of life. Maybe anything in your life feels like a desert. God is saying, look again, look again. There's a spring swelling up right now. There is a well that is happening. I will pick my head up. Anybody going to pick their head up? Come on, God is leading us. I'll pick my head up. Because the truth is, when you lift your head up, things you've never seen before. We could be so focused on our lives and what's wrong with us that God is trying to lead us to what's right with us. And God wants you to sit here. He wants me to tell you right now. He said, listen, whatever circumstance you're in, keep your head up because you're going to start seeing new things. You're going to see a miracle happening in the middle of nowhere. Man, I love a good underdog story. This is a big underdog story. And I wanted the Cleveland Cavaliers to win so bad this year. No one laughed. It's all right. It's no more jokes. Man, who was rooting for Cleveland this year? Come on, who was really rooting for them? Everyone's Warrior fans. It's cool. It's the few of the proud. It's all right. Man, I wanted Cleveland to win so bad. I love the underdog story. Anybody love underdog stories? Come on, the comeback. I said, man, LeBron's going to do it again. LeBron's not Jesus, guys. I'm sorry can't come back. But man, this, this, this story with Hagar and her son, it's a perfect underdog story. Literally, a maid, an Egyptian maid who got knocked up, and Ishmael was sent into a desert. And God made a way, and God fulfilled his promise, and God did something amazing in Hagar's life. We're going to keep reading. I'm going to ask the band to come up. I'm sweating like crazy. Verse 19. I love this. It says this. Just then God opened her eyes. She looked. She saw a well of water. She went into it, filled her canteen, and gave the boy a long, cool drink. Beside as he grew up, so little Ishmael grew up. Little Ishmael, he's probably drank from that well for a very long time. He grew up, and, and this is insane. He, he lived out in the desert. He lived out in the desert. Listen, don't wait on when you're getting out the desert. Just keep wondering when God's going to do something in the desert. 
You may feel like you're going to be in the desert. Listen, you're going to be in the desert for a little while longer than you thought. But listen, I'm not questioning the time of God. I'm actually questioning my perception of his presence. If he's with me, I can go a lifetime in the desert. If he's with me, even if there's just a well of water, I'm not going to ask him Kool-Aid. I'm not going to ask him sugar. I'm not going to ask him a little. No. God called me to hear he's going to do something. Ishmael grew up. And he became the skilled archer in the desert. You know, killing squirrels and stuff. We need food. Bam. Skill. He lived in the Pyramid Wilderness. His mother got him a wife from Egypt. Listen to me. The miracle is in the desert. It was in the desert that God did something amazing in Hagar's life. Listen, the presence is in the desert. God appeared. The presence is in the desert. God, God appeared to them. And, and he said, listen, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? Get your baby. Hold on to your promise. I got you. And lastly... There is destiny in the desert. It was in the desert that Ishmael found his purpose to be a skilled archer. I don't think him living with Abraham and Sarah, he would have ever discovered his skill. God's going to do something in your life. In the middle of your need, in the middle of your desert, he's going to build you up and give you purpose. I believe in the, out of the worst times in life is when great leaders begin to rise up. Out of the worst times in life is when the true Christians stand up. I said, God is calling me deeper. God is bigger than this situation. And, and this is insane. So much stuff is happening to the desert. And, and right now, I want you to just imagine what is a desert in your life. Where do you see a desert? Literally, right now, picture in your life, where do you see a desert? Is it sin? Students, is it school? Parents, is it your family? Relationships, work? Where do you see a desert? Because listen, my God is good in deserts. Remember the people that were brought out of Egypt. What happened in the desert? Manna from heaven, water out of nowhere. My God is all about the desert. Listen, point me to your desert, and that's where God will work. Point me to the desert, and that's where my God will come through. Point me to your desert, and I will point you to your destiny. Listen, your desert will outperform. You're either going to grow from it, or you'll just complain about it. And you'll talk about it and you'll tweet about it and you'll Facebook it. Listen, God wants to put you on top of your desert. Point me to your desert and I will show you exactly where God wants to do something amazing. Point me to the worst thing about you. That's where God wants to make you better. What's the worst thing about you and your family? God wants to do something in that. And we trick ourselves as Christians. We say God wants to do everything but my biggest struggle. Your biggest struggle is your biggest triumph. Man, the other day I was on Twitter. Somebody was just tweeting. Man, I, this day last month I almost committed suicide. 126 retweets and likes. Someone telling everyone where God did something. And that young man goes to this church. He's lifting his hands on Fridays. God is with him on Tuesdays. God is speaking to him on Thursdays. He's back here on Sundays. Come on, somebody. Point me to your desert, and that's exactly where God wants to work. Man, Christians, we got to keep our head up. We got to keep our head up. Next time you're going through something crazy, crazy. Next time all hell breaks loose. Listen, earlier the fire alarms went off. We started the service 20 minutes late. Everyone had to evacuate the building. I said, God is going to do something crazy in the 11 a.m. service. I don't know what's going to happen. But listen, the fire alarms went off, and there's no fire. God wants to do something. In the desert of your life. And I'm very analytical. I read the Bible and I said, okay, so what happened with Isaac? Because Isaac grew up in the house. Isaac grew up with two parents that loved him. 
the people that were with him, the people that grew him up. Isaac grew up in the best house ever. He had a mom that loved him and a dad that was there. Ishmael only had a mom. And God did something amazing. What's the life of, of, of Isaac? And I begin to read and I read and read. And listen, he lived an awesome life and he was in positions and God continued to bless him. But there's a point in the same book, the book of Genesis, where Abraham is long gone. He died. He's long gone. And, and Ishmael, Isaac, sorry, he's the leader. And he's sending people because in, in, in the exact environment they were in, there was a great famine. So Isaac is going through famine in his, in his land. He's going through something similar, not even close to what Ishmael was going through, but something similar. And one day we may go out, you know, it's a famine. So he grew up very blessed. He grew up very blessed. But I began to keep reading and reading and reading. And there became a point that, Ishmael, that Isaac, sorry, he was actually very in thirst too. He needed some water. He needed something. So he begins to send out people looking for wells. They're looking for water. They're looking for water. He's a leader now. And people are fighting over, over wells. And, and it's getting crazy. And I want to read with you Genesis 29, 26, chapter 19 through 24. It says this. It says, one day Isaac's servants. So now he's, he's balling now. He got servants. All right, he's balling. They were digging the valley. They came on a spring of water. The shepherds of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's shepherds, claiming this water is ours. So Isaac named the water Quarrel because they were fighting. So I'm going to name that well fighting because they were quarreled over it. The dug another well, and there was a difference over that one also. And so he named it, he named it Sitna, accusation. Easiest way to name your children. If it was a problem, your name is problem. Just kidding. He went on from there and dug yet another well, but there was no fighting over this one, so he named it Rehoboth, saying, keep going. Now God has given us plenty of space spread out in the land. From there, he went up to Beersheba. He's looking for water. He's in a famine. And he went to the same desert that Hagar and Ishmael grew up in. And look what happens. God appeared to him in the desert of Beersheba. And what does he say? I am the God of Abraham, your father. Don't fear a thing. Ding, ding, ding. What did he tell Hagar? Don't be afraid. What does he tell Isaac? Don't be afraid. I am with you in the desert. I am with you in anything you're going through. I will bless you and make your children flourish because of Abraham, my servant. Amazing. One verse. It says, what's wrong? Don't be afraid. Years later, moments later, and God is saying to Isaac, I am the God of Abraham, and I have something for you. Listen to me, Christian. And here there's two types of people. People who are going through stuff in the middle of the desert. You're like Ishmael. There's something wrong with you. And it's in that exact area that God wants to work. You're in the middle of a desert. You're questioning everything. God wants to do a miracle. So some of us are like Ishmael, but some of us are like Isaac. Well, we've been pretty good. But listen, if you haven't experienced heartbreak, get ready for it. If you haven't experienced people not really loving you for real, get ready for it. If you haven't experienced people leaving you alone and people who are good turning bad, get ready for it. Because Isaac was once in a beautiful home, but he ended up in the same place that Ishmael ended up. And it was in both places. 
that God said, I'm going to do something in you. Remember the promise I have for you. I don't know about you. You can get up on your feet. You can move around. You can get a little 10-second praise break. But listen, I will keep my head up. Get up on your feet, church. Get up on your feet, church. Come on, say, I will keep my head up. I will keep my head up in the middle of storms, in the middle of tragedies, in the middle of anything. I will keep my head up because the God of creation is behind me, pushing me forward. We hope this message has inspired you. As a place of hope, our church is committed to reach our community. If you'd like more information about New Birth, visit our website at nbplaceofhope.com.